Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Abadisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Abadisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, Dress it with the olives of grace and empathy. Sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonders of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's incredibly bizarre is anyone telling the truth about anything crazy little world. As always, we try to present our information with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day, and more often than not, we are not successful. I will admit to that, but we are on a bound to give it a shot, and on this show, The Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. In fact, my darlings, I'm going to have one right now. Excuse me. Oh, that's quite lovely. Mm. Our rally cry is awaken, oh, my people. Do not follow the path of the sheeple and do not give our God cause to weeple. If you're joining us for the very first time, I extend a very warm welcome to you. Be advised, however, we do not do politically correct because we do not wish to erode our intellect. There's far too much of that sort of thing going around. We martini heads. We're straight talking. We're straightforward folks. We may be a tad direct and we are but we come from a core of respect. No fakery here to up our numbers. What you see, that's what you get. We value common decency, a rare commodity these days, common courtesy, common sense, very rare, soul sovereignty, and of course, our national self-sovereignty, our national sovereignty, because at this time in our history, it is the last line of defense against a Luciferian totalitarian takeover. When we use labels, we do so for identification purposes. We are strictly nonpartisan because it does not matter whether you are at one end a rabid liberal or at the other end a member of the Klan. We believe all parties are in the can. Deep State has infiltrated every nook and cranny of this planet. And consequently, our world has lost its moral compass. And without a moral compass, the political arena is nothing more than a never-ending power play, benefiting a small group of sociopaths gorging themselves on the fat of the land, while the rest of humanity begs for scraps under tables groaning with the fruits of its own labor. And honestly, by now, with so many repetitions of the same scenario through the ages, Humanity, we should know better. How on earth did we become so easily led and so feeble-minded? Well, my darlings, that's what this show is all about. Not about being feeble-minded, about trying to find out how we became so feeble-minded. We do this by taking a look at the bigger picture, stepping outside the carefully crafted establishment narrative, And I will say, because it is true, that is not for the faint of heart. If you're one of the millions who would rather sleep comfortably in the manufactured illusion, if you are content to do as you are told, eat what you are given, behave as ordered, and believe everything the daily spin churns out, this show is not for you. So move along now. Nothing to see here. 
If, on the other hand, you have capacity for objective thought and wish to better understand the marvels of co-creation, to enjoy your incarnation, to get something out of it, well, you might hear something of value in the next hour. <clears throat> Who knows? I don't know. You see, darling's life is an adventure, and adventure means excitement, experimentation, a little flirtation, and hopefully not a castration. It's all about new ideas, freedom from fears, a few laughs and some tears, but it will all get sorted out in the end. And after a good rest on the other side, we're off on another adventure because we are cosmic co-creators created as space adventurers to boldly go where no one has been before, to find new worlds, to cause problems on them, and hopefully, having seen the error of our ways, we regroup and we resolve everything in the spirit of universal love, and won't that be lovely when it happens? Today is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021, and this show comes to you, as always, from Oregon in the United, but perhaps not for long, States of America. We are still, it seems, playing our parts in this bad surrealist movie. Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember back in college when your friend said, hey, man, let's drop some acid? And you said, nah, let's not. Let's just smoke a joint and have a beer instead. But your friend convinced you to take the acid and instantly you regretted it. Yep, that's what I'm talking about. That's where we are now in this year's episode of World of Earthcraft. For me, today at least, surreal has no appeal. It's like, is it live or is it Memorax? Hello, ground control to Major Tom. Are there any right-minded humans left on the planet? Well, I suppose, yes, there are. And I suspect quite a few of them are listening in right now. Hello, martini heads. Hello out there. I send you all my love. And if you are here with me right now, I would pour you all a nice cold one while discussing the multiple merits of Italian vermouth. Hey, did I say today was March 17th? I did, didn't I? Well, that means today is St. Patrick's Day. Or, as we name it in my family, Druid Killer Day. Later on in the show, we will feature this bad boy and the bad things he set in motion in our cryptic mystic segment. But for now, let's get on with the main reason for this show, which is quack. Nothing to do with ducks. Quack. That's questions, answers and comments. But first, let me have a little drinky poo because I burnt a whole bunch of sage in this room and I am coughing up a storm. I can hardly breathe. Excuse me. Hmm. <clears throat> Oh, gosh, that is a good cocktail. Mm. All right. If you would like to share the contents of your fabulous minds on my fabulous show, and why wouldn't you, send me an email, arnie at arnieavidician.com or snail mail to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon 97070. And let me know how and if you would like to be identified, or I will refer to you as omit personal details. Okay, let's get right to it then. Let's shaky shaky up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and let's see what pops up. All right, Annie, pick something. Right, the first email reads, Annie, I asked you to address your speech impediment on the last show and you asked me to identify it. Well, when you say S, it sometimes makes a hissing sound. Well, darling, I think you are correct. It sometimes does. Oh, well, life sucks and then you die. Thank you for your email. Hundreds of people who previously had no problem with my hissing S are now looking out for it. Thanks for that. Moving on. All right, here's another one. Dear Ani, that's me. Is the New Age movement part of the Illuminati's agenda? to distract people from the takeover by dark forces? It seems to me that these people, the New Ages, are clueless idiots, floating on fairy dust while crossing their fingers and hoping their fragile soap bubbles, also known as their egos, will not burst. They say things like, if we pray, 
all the wickedness will go away. I see much wickedness all around. What do you think, Annie? Well, um, omit personal details person, I think that's a jolly good question, actually. I literally had this conversation with one of my favorite clients just a day or two ago. There is a great deal of naivety in the New Age movement. Like religion, it is immature and incomplete. Now, to clarify, you know, Louise Hay, she rocked. You know, she brought the basic concepts of the you make your own reality to a generation ready to, be, to, to break free from indoctrination. So I really like her and I like all that she did. But these new concepts, they don't change world views overnight. Previous programming, it has to be overwritten. New information has to be absorbed and accepted. Then it has to be field tested. It can take a generation or more for new patterns to write themselves into the matrix. The indoctrination of religion, yeah, it was outdated. It needed to evolve. And the New Age movement was a step in the right direction, a step away from Illuminati, you know, Illuminati control. I don't know why I can't speak properly today. I have hardly had anything to drink. A step away from Illuminati control. But the cabal, you see, the Illuminati, they're not idiots. They've controlled this planet for millennia. They infiltrated, they corrupt it, and, well, they left it almost as useless as traditional religion. They took the full meaning of the law of attraction and they reduced it to, if you visualize your dream car or your dream house, it will manifest itself as if by magic. It became all about things, material things. Well, of course, that's what the Illuminati are all about because they're Luciferians. They don't co-create with unconditional love. Everything for them is about material acquisition. That's their programming for us. Material acquisition. Absolutely no soul sovereignty. Do you remember the women's lib movement? Some of us are old enough to remember that just. And I agree, of course, the patriarchy was completely out of control. Women, we let that one go on for far too long, didn't we? And that needed to be fixed. But it was not supposed to be about breaking up the family unit for those who want a family unit. True equality has nothing to do with who makes the money. That's conditioning. But in a world where money has been made into a god, that message is corrupted. The money maker becomes the god and the one who traditionally nurtures the entire next generation of humans somehow becomes a second class citizen. I've lost count of the meetings and speaking engagements I've attended where people say, if I pray, all the bad people will go away. My response is this. How is that working for you? Have all the bad people gone away? Do we have zero homeless people? Has your government stopped taking obscene amounts of tax money from you? Has it admitted to ruining your lives by unleashing a laboratory made contagion and claiming pandemic, pandemic, so everyone except the big boys can shut down and hunker down and shut up. Oh, and by the way, people, sorry, we ruined your life. Here's a measly few bucks to buy toilet paper with. You know, let's think about that for a moment. Right. It doesn't work, does it? You also need social awareness. You need to be in touch with your environment and you need a stronger sense of community. Thank you for this most excellent question, because, you know, the limitations of the New Age movement, that's something I've talked about for quite a while. All of this Pollyanna mentality is designed to make you self-absorbed and feeble-minded, and damn right it's part of a dark agenda. We are individualized manifestations of cosmic energy, but we're not individuals. Subtle but very important difference. If you want to float around in your own bubble, disconnected from everyone else, chanting for your Audi or your house in the Hamptons, knock yourself out. Just know that you have disconnected yourself from the people of the realm you chose to experience. Cosmic co-creation requires practical cooperation. 
As with all things, my darlings, read between the lines. Don't be fooled. Don't be distracted by the shiny. The devil, you know, the devil, yes, it is in the details. It is. But guess what? If you're aligned with the divine, you could say the celestial is in the subtleties. Hmm. I like that one. Okay, let's take another question from our fishbowl of perpetual perplexity. This is from uh, a chap, I think, called Taylor, who asks, Dear Arnie, how long do you think it will take for society to stabilize after the truth about adrenochrome, pedophiles, corruption in government, and all that good, not so good stuff is revealed? Well, that's a good question, Taylor. It will take a long time. We are talking about the entire infrastructure of our world, almost every thread in the fabric that makes up our society. That has to be exposed as corrupt. I mean, that's a lot to take in. People think they're living a dream. They're living a nightmare when they waken up and they go, oh, my God, it's not a dream. That's a lot to take in. For starters, the establishment, the state, it has to be dismantled. In practical terms, that means all its functions have to be reviewed and reworked. And that does not happen in 30 days. 15 to 20 years is more feasible. You know, read your history books. Stabilization means we have gone beyond the shock of and the resistance to the truth. The extent of brainwashing has to be understood and overcome for stabilization to take place. It's a big thing to say things are no longer as they were. You know, it's a big thing to say to people things have to change because everything you thought was standard was actually evil. There's much to consider there, and not the least of which is people's attachments to their egos, to their belief systems. This can't be true, they say, or I would have seen it. How could I not have seen it? No, the other people must be the conspiracy theorists, not me. And to that I say, you know, how many women did not see that their husband was having an affair or engaged in a life of some sort of crime for several years? We do tend to miss the obvious, don't we? It seems to me very naive of the Q peeps, you know, the peeps that strive to decipher Q as opposed to Q, uh, which I believe is a quantum computer. Um, you know, it's very naive of them to post their conjectures. It, it's all a psyops illusion. It's an information war. And misinformation is the weapon. So I say, people, look through your history Whenever society collapses because it needs to, it's going to take a while to rebuild and to make everything workable again. So believe me, no information that can be publicly posted today can be trusted. And surely I don't have to explain why, do I? Thanks for the question. You know, we're all in it for the for the long haul, I think, people. And that shouldn't depress you. That's just the way things are. We're so used to everything being instant. You press a button and something happens. That's not the soul's evolution. It's not the way it goes. Let's have a little drinky poo. Mm. All right. Oh, I like this one. Okay. This is from Hazel, who says, Dear Ani, is it just my imagination or have people stopped listening to each other? Every interaction I have today feels like I am thumping my head against a brick wall. Customer service, it seems, has gone away. It is no longer customer service, and it's more along the lines of this is what my company has told me to tell you, and I am incapable of veering from this narrative and addressing your actual issue. Hazel says, I had an issue with my computer. I wrote five, count them, five emails before someone read the email all the way through and responded. I was shopping for makeup last week and went in with the empty bottle of foundation I wish to replace. And instead of telling me, yes, we have that or no, we don't have that item. The salesperson ignored my request and showed me a completely different line of product. I could go on, but I think you get the picture. Arnie, is this part of the mind control agenda? 
It is almost impossible to have a sane, functional conversation these days. Oh, Hazel, I feel your pain. I, too, have noticed this. And it started before the sham planned demic thingy that we're going through right now. And this is exactly what I mean by the erosion of our intellect, our inability to think critically and maintain objectivity. This damn sham of political correctness has made people afraid to speak. And if you're afraid to speak, you stop thinking, as in you stop generating your own thoughts inside your own head. And this leaves a lot of empty space in your head, which the establishment is all too happy to fill for you with their automaton programming, which they revise every year. Surely the evidence is all around us. People have stopped thinking for themselves. They look to the almighty state to tell them what to do. And this shamdemic is a perfect example. So what have we got? A 99.8% recovery rate from this man-made contagion, while, of course, thousands of other contagions, including bubonic plague, you know, which is still active on four continents, all of these other contagions, they're floating about in the air, and people are lining up to get this so-called vaccine, which is not a vaccine, of course, but it is the mark of the beast designed to kill us. Anyone in their right mind, with a modicum of common sense and even a few minutes of research, can see through the agenda, yet, oh my God, people are lining up for it like, like it was two for one day at the local ice cream shop. This is what happens when society allows itself to be steered away from spirit-centered thinking. It becomes frozen in fear. Ooh, they say, oh, my God, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say the wrong thing? And then that quickly becomes, what if I think the wrong thing? And in no time at all, thinking becomes a dangerous activity. And without thinking, we have no creativity, no curiosity, no motivation, no desire to engage with our environment in any meaningful way and no way of assisting in the betterment of mankind by creating new wonderful concepts. At this point, the establishment don't have to round us up at gunpoint and put us in boxcars. We have uh, we've already plugged our sovereign minds into their server, and now Big Brother controls us. Ignorance is strength. Isolation is kindness. Free thinking is blindness. Independence is weakness. People, every time you wear a mask just because the state tells you to, whether you wear it out of fear or out of convenience, you are putting another nail in the coffin of cosmic co-creation. Every time you acquiesce to this BS, you are saying to them, oh, I don't have the right to breathe. For the safety of others, I must not breathe. I must wear this mask and walk around like some sort of automaton. Two weeks to flatten the curve. It's been over a year. When are you going to wake up? Hey, thanks for that question. Hazel, I could tell you stories about customer service. But I won't. All right. One more question, I think, before we move on to Tarot A Go Go and the Cryptic Mystic. But first, a little drinky poo. Mm. All right. Um, which one? Eeny, meeny, eeny, meeny. Which one shall I choose? I'll choose this one. Dear Arnie, it has now been one year since they told us it would take two weeks to flatten the curve. At this point. I fear we will all succumb to Luciferian ideology unless we take urgent action at a grassroots level. Can you offer any advice? I refuse to wear a mask and I'm weary of having yet another argument with a Karen or a Brad. I hear you on that one, too. Um, I can offer a lot of advice. Let me see if I can focus this. 
so that I don't ramble on for hours and hours and hours, warmed by this delicious Irish whiskey here. All right, uh, first, let's remember that we are on the brink of a huge shift in consciousness. That's an opportunity that has been given to us by the universal timekeepers to shift from the depraved slave mindset to the celestial spark mindset. We have been in darkness for such a long time. It would be naive to assume that smashing the dark agenda, piercing the barriers of our inner consciousness to expose and dismantle the machinery of evil is going to happen in a matter of weeks or even months. That is naive. So my first piece of advice is prepare for a longer fight than originally anticipated. When infrastructures collapse and are rebuilt, it can take a generation to stabilize. And if that makes you sigh, use the early pioneers as your example. They knew that starting from scratch in an unknown, unexplored new land would not be easy. And they knew they would not be the ones reaping the rewards. They did it for their progeny to build a secure platform for future generations to build upon. Second piece of advice, I guess, is to thine own self be true. No one really knows what's going on. You'll know when it happens. So I say this is a good time for inner spirit work. Check and clear your emotional triggers. If you're fighting to destroy the machinery of evil, the machinery of darkness, then be sure you have no weak links in your spirit armor. Cleanse yourself, purify yourself, stabilize and vitalize your energy anatomy daily. That way you are a clear filter for the divine to speak through and you will not be mind controlled or distracted. Now, this is a, a very important one, the next one, because they are trying to destroy community. They're trying to destroy small business, um, small community. Form groups with like-minded people and meet regularly. Discuss and prioritize objectives and put plans of action into place. Be sure to research thoroughly before taking action. And I advise adopting a stoic rather than emotional attitude. Stick to the facts and review objectives and plans of action for accuracy and efficacy and do it regularly. The other thing is vote with your dollars. You have to admit we have been conditioned for convenience and centralization destroys curiosity and motivation. So I advise exploring alternatives for all of our procurement needs. And let's explore self-sufficiency to the greatest extent possible according to our location and according to our circumstances. And each household must have a prepper's pantry. I say choose not to give your hard-earned dollars to stores that act as mask Nazis and let them know, you know, no matter what the so-called I made it up because Deep State paid me by the day thingy that the states are going for, you know, let them know they will never see another dollar from you ever again. If you approach people and go, look, I, I don't really want to wear this mask. See where that conversation will take you, but stay focused. Don't get into politics and don't get into emotion. More and more people are approaching this subject now. And I think that you'll find that salespeople in particular are sick and tired of being approached by this. And until they get so sick and tired that they don't want to show up to work, I don't think too much is going to change. The other thing is, as a group, inform your local and state government representatives of your displeasure and put them on notice. Tell them, as a citizen or as a legal permanent resident of the USA, they have failed to represent we the people and that they have created mandates that are detrimental to our health and our general well-being up to and including crimes against humanity. I would advise that you be sure your group keeps up with the latest in research and information by all the doctors and scientists 
who have been banned by mainstream media manipulation because they are the ones that are telling the truth. And be sure to keep up with new laws supporting the dark agenda that tend to sneak into our being on local and state and federal levels. It's time to get really, really savvy here because it's only going to be a grassroots revolution that's going to turn this thing around. Please understand that too many people watch only one news channel and they're unaware that there's a whole other world going on out there. Here's a big one. Don't waste your time educating the willfully ignorant. Don't do it. Step away. Their fear and their egos will not accept new information. Some of them may even have a sole contract to be willfully ignorant for some purpose related to the exposing of the darkness. We just don't know. So leave them. Leave them in love and move on. It's not your job to save the entire world, but it is your job to assist in the shifting of mass consciousness. Focus on networking with those who clearly see the danger and those who know something is wrong, but need help articulating their intuition. You will find there are so many people out there who are fed up with this whole thing, but they feel disconnected from like-minded people and forming these small groups will really help. A very important one for me, and surely I don't have to explain why this is so important. Never, ever, 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 ever give up your Second Amendment rights. If you don't know why this is so important, then, my darlings, I would say you don't know shit from Shinola. Every time a government disarms a population, into the boxcars they go, up against the wall they go, and bang, 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 and everyone's dead. Let's not do that, please. Remember America's sacred purpose. Where America goes, there goes the world. And please, don't be distracted by people who want to replay the dysfunction and the horrors of American history. Every nation has a history, and it's not pretty. We are not the same people we were in the 18th century, the 19th century, or the 20th century. And we have come a long way in a short space of time. Don't let people tell you otherwise. Are we perfect? No. Perfection means the world ends and we go into some sort of ether form and there's no more physical life. Perfection is unattainable. There is only perfection in the pools of paradise that are source energy. Understand, please, this generation has nothing to atone for, nothing to apologize for, and everything to live for. And if you feel that that just doesn't resonate with you, okay, take a moment, close your eyes, and hear these words that I'm about to speak. From the beginning of time to this moment, I ask for and accept absolute and unconditional forgiveness for all errors in perception and action committed by any manifestation of myself at any time on any realm for any reason. And from the beginning of time to this moment, I extend absolute and unconditional forgiveness to all who have erred against any manifestation of myself at any time on any realm for any reason. This I do for my soul's evolution and for the evolution of all souls and for the betterment of mankind. Thus are all ancestral and generational lines cleared, and we may now proceed with ease through the continuum of time in love everlasting. We are as perfect as the moment of our creation, now and forevermore. Amen. Blessed be, so it is. There, you're absolved. Now start again. As you mature with your group, please let me know what else you are doing to bring the light back into our realm. Remember, we are way beyond establishment-funded partisan politics. We are at freedom versus tyranny, and that, my darling, is not a conspiracy. A little tip that my partner pointed out for me today. Uh, 
defendyourunion.org slash home. Defend our, sorry, defendourunion.org slash home. And there's some very good tips there on how to form grassroots organizations. I do believe this is a group that is Floridian, but they have resources for um, for other states as well. So defendourunion.org slash home. Thank you for that question. It's, it's, it's an important one. All right. And now I think it's time for the cryptic mystic where we have our way with someone dead who liked to pray. And since today is St. Patrick's Day, and since I'm not a big fan of St. Patrick's, I thought today, instead of talking about him, I'm going to share a few pointers on the ancient laws of Ireland, the Brehan Laws. And I will apologize in advance for any mispronunciation of the old Gallic names. So... The era of the Brehon, what's it all about? Well, prior to English rule, Ireland had its own indigenous system of law that dated way back from Celtic times. And it wasn't replaced until the 17th century, when finally, after battering for centuries, the English common law took over. So this Brehon law, it's a system of law that developed from customs which had been passed on orally from one generation to the next. I do believe, though, around the 7th century AD, they did, start at, uh, they did start to write some of these down for the first time. So this is judiciary. This is the law of the land. And it was administered by the Brehans, who were successors to the Celtic Druids. And you could call them judges. But really, they were more arbitrators. And their job was to preserve the law and interpret the law, and not necessarily to expand it. So I guess, in a, in a way, if it didn't need expanding, it was a jolly good uh, set of writings there. I looked through some of the Brehan laws, and you know what? They're really very progressive. It recognized divorce. It said that there was gender equality. It showed a great concern for the environment. And they had a scale they used, an honor scale, an Eric scale, they called it, for criminal law. And the offenses and the penalties, those were defined in very great detail. Rather than today's concept of punishment, you know, you're doing okay and something annoys you and you mess up and you commit a crime. Today, you know, even up to and including killing someone, we take you away and put you away and lock you up. And maybe that's the only thing you've ever done wrong in your life. And it just doesn't make sense. So in Brehan law, it was restitution rather than punishment that they used for wrongdoing. And there was no capital punishment. If you chopped someone's leg off, there was a specific fine. You chopped someone's ear off, there was another type of fine. If you killed someone, depending on your motivation and depending on how much damage you caused, you had to make physical restitution. So I guess we could say they were written by the people for the people. You know, unlike the common laws of today that benefit, in my opinion, only the crown, the establishment and their taxation departments. So this Brehan law system is apparently the second oldest recorded law system after Sanskrit. And it's a natural law system based on the sustainable principle of common sense. And who has a problem with common sense except today? Even after Christianity started working its way into Ireland, and even long after the introduction of English common law, you know, when the Normans and the English invaded, People still use the Brehan law. It survived very well into the 17th century in the remotest parts of Ireland. You know, somewhere along the line, I think it was the 13th century after the Magna Carta was signed. Uh, Irish chieftains went ahead and signed it. We'll just do it. We'll do anything for a quiet life, they said. But they still went back and used their own Brehan law systems. And we know what these laws were because 50 ancient law texts survives. 
These were manuscripts that people had copied from the 7th and 8th century originals. And that is, um, when did that go till? If I remember, I've got some notes here, which of course I can't find. Um, let's see. There was this thing called the Flight of the Earls, where the Gallic leadership, you know, the kings, the chieftains, and all of the intellectuals, the poets, the scholars, the soldiers, the herbalists, anybody of note, um, were defeated by the English at the Battle of Kinsale. I think that was 1602. And they said, okay, we'll leave. But if we leave, you mustn't hurt our people. So they left their people vulnerable and leaderless. But the crown said, well, we'll spare your people. So, you know, those laws were really much the law of the land right up until that time. 12th century, I think the very first time that the Brehon laws were challenged, um, I think it was King Henry II, he planned to conquer Ireland. And Pope Adrian IV at the time issued some sort of papal bull. And then the Normans invaded, I think that was the Earl of Pembroke, and that was 1169. Then in the 13th century, King John authorized the issuing of writs. Uh, what that means is he was directing the Irish courts to apply English common law. So Anglo-Norman settlers um, started, you know, showing up and, uh, you know, doing their, you know, it's got to be English. It's got to be English. We've got to reassert the supremacy of parliament and of English law over anything Irish. And that was a pain. But the Irish resisted, of course, as they should. Um, you know, by 1500, English law was confined to an area which we know as the Pale, which was made up of Dublin and the East Coast. And you know the term beyond the Pale? Right. Beyond what they thought was the sanity of English law, the Brehon laws continued to be applied. And then in the 17th century, of course, uh, you know, more incursions, uh, you know, there was the flight of the earls there in 1602 or 1607. I honestly can't remember the proclamation of King James I, who said that the Irish people deserved the king's protection. I don't think they wanted the king's protection. But anyway, they subsequently divided the Ireland into the counties and the English law was administered wherever it could be administered. Um, and it just went on and on and on and on. I don't want to get into the details of the whole, um, you know, of the whole history thing. What I'm really trying to get across is uh, the fact that to this day, there's resentment in Ireland about all the different British incursions. It really ruined the Gallic language. It really ruined the infrastructure and the beautiful history and folklore. Everything that is wonderful about how the Irish saved civilization was tainted and polluted by the by the English invaders. I'm going to fast forward to the 20th century, the Republic of Ireland Act 1948. That completed the break with Britain. And it provided that the state shall be described as the Republic of Ireland and withdrew it from the Commonwealth. So what were some of these laws? So it's a wonderful thing that this group of... Uh, you know, the people who took over from the Celtic Druids would go around and, uh, you know, arbitrate if you had a problem. So here's just a couple of them that I found here and there. Um, these are kind of fun. So this applied to musicians and artists. It says here as part of one of these Brehon laws, the harpist is the only musician who is of noble standing. Flute players, trumpeters and timpanists as well as jugglers, conjurers, and equestrians who stand on the back of horses at fairs have no status of their own in the community, only that of the noble chieftain to whom they are attached. So we think of the fiddle as being the Irish instrument, but it was the harpists. Those were the ones that were revered. Also says here to do with musicians and artists, the poet who overcharges for a poem shall be stripped of half his rank in society. Well, there's a warning to everybody out there. Do not over overcharge for your poems. Uh, we look at some of the property and land laws here. The creditor who holds your brooch or your necklet of your earrings as a pledge against your loan must return them so you may wear them at the great assembly or he will be fined for your humiliation. 
And here's another one. For the best arable land, the price is 24 cows. The price for dry, coarse land is 12 cows. <laughs> and here we are with um, in a section about relationships. February 1st is the day on which husband and wife may decide to walk away from the marriage. Well, okay. Um, if a man takes a woman off a horse, no, if a man takes a woman off on a horse into the woods or onto a seagoing ship, and if members of the woman's tribe are present, they must object within 24 hours or they may not demand payment of the fine. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, I like this one. A husband who through listlessness does not go to his wife in her bed must pay a fine. <laughs> so don't drink too much, Irish husbands, because if you can't do what you need to do, you're going to have to pay a fine. And here's another one. If a pregnant woman craves a morsel of food and her husband withholds it through stinginess or neglect, he must pay a fine. <laughs> and here's another one, one more. If a woman makes an assignation with a man to come to her in a bed or behind a bush, the man is not considered guilty, even if she screams. If she has not agreed to a meeting, however, he is guilty as soon as she screams. These are really good and fair laws. Here's one uh, about health. No fools, drunks or female scolds are allowed in the doctor's house when a patient is healing there. No bad news to be, bought, uh, to be brought and no talking across the bed. No grunts of pigs or barking of dogs outside. Interestingly, and here's a couple of random ones. Whoever comes to your door, you must feed him and care for him with no questions asked. It is illegal to give somebody food that has been found with a dead mouse or weasel. Well, I, I'll agree with that. I wouldn't want to eat anything found with a dead mouse or a weasel. And oh, here's, here's one that definitely is perfect for the martini show. A layman may drink six pints of ale with his dinner, but a monk may only drink three pints. This is so he will not be intoxicated when prayer time arrives. I say these are wonderful laws, and I'm going to do a lot more investigating about these Brehan laws. Um, we learned a great deal about Irish history back in school in England, and I seem to have forgotten the wealth um, and all the wonderful contribution that the Irish gave to this world. I dedicate this little section that we just read to all my Irish friends all over the world, and in particular to my friend Bob Kelleher. Um, it's fun hanging out with you, Bob, albeit on the ethers. Maybe one day we will actually meet in person. So that was it for the Cryptic Mystic. For those of you who are fans of St. Patrick, I'm so sorry I didn't talk about him, but I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to drink to all the Irish everywhere in the world. God bless you all. Slunge. Mm. Wonderful. All right, what should we do now? Oh, yes, I think. I think it's time for Tarot A Go Go. A little what the heck with our favorite tarot deck. So just to say, I will be starting some formal online tarot training very shortly. But meanwhile, if you would like to take advantage of 10 individual sessions with me, uh, all the basics of tarot, I'm offering that at a rock bottom price of $199.99. So send me an email and we can set that up. It's going to be via Zoom unless you happen to live in my part of town. All right, let's get to it. We did all the fours, I think we did last time, of all the suits. And this time, I think we're going to do the fives, because that's what comes after four. Five. All right, so let's start with... Where's my little deck? Where's my little card? Here it is. The five of wands. And the deck I'm using is actually the Robin Wood deck. Very pretty little deck. All right, so the five of wands. Let's hold it in the upright position and let's see what it says to us. 
looks like a, a bunch of guys just fighting, really, doesn't it? Yep. But is that what they're doing? No one looks particularly hurt. Maybe it's something to do with the everyday battles of life. It could be something to do with the, the mundane. You know, life is a struggle. We go out there and in some sort of way we feel like we're hitting each other with sticks and we're being hit by sticks. That could be a part of it. But it also could be a fun game. It could be, well, it could be an exciting challenge. Is it, is it really conflict or are we going through the motions? You know, is it competition? Is it assertiveness? Are we trying to prove ourselves there in the arena? Does it actually have something to do with physical sports, perhaps? Because as we know with tarot, the card can mean a million and one different things, depending on what position it's in and what other cards it is next to. This could be a time that you need to actually do some physical activity. I tend to pick this one up if I don't exercise regularly. I'm serious. You know, it says get out there and do some exercise. Get out there and get some vigor vigorous action in there. Fatso, go on, go do it. I look at it also, and what else comes to mind? It could be bickering. It could be little quarrels. It could be minor irritations, maybe unexpected uh, unexpected little problems, you know, little delays here and there. It could be a many different things. You can't just say it's one thing. But, uh, there's a, you know, you've got to pick up the card and you've got to look at it and say, okay, what am I feeling? And you've just got to let that stream of consciousness enter you. You know, it could also mean that you just have a lot of energy to burn. It could mean you just need to a night out with the guys or a night out with the girls. But it could also be legal complications. You know, it could also be that you are actually in competition with something. And that might have a business connotation. Are you putting your bid in? And are people sorting through your bids? Which one is the best? Is it a welcome competition or is it more something more stressful? Interesting. Either way, there's action with this card. Now, as I do like to do, as I do like to do, I'd like to turn it in the reverse position. And let's see the feeling that it imparts to us. In tarot, everybody seems to have a problem reading the reverse position. And you don't really have to have a problem with it. You just need to get to know your cards. And your cards will tell you what they want to tell you in whatever position they're in, upright or reversed. So I'm turning it upside down. I still feel a little irritation. I still feel, you know, things aren't going particularly well. But I think perhaps it might not be as serious as it would have been in the upright position. I have a sense that this sort of competition is more um, functional, clean, um, healthy, favorable. You know. But on the other hand now, I'm getting a different message as well. And it could also be saying to me, gosh, I've got to go into this battle. And I lack self-confidence. I don't feel that I can pull this off, but I really want to pull it off. So perhaps I might have to do something underhand. So I hope you are, you know, you're following me on this. There is not just one meaning with a card. Depending on what you're asking, depending on its position, if you get to know your cards really well and follow the protocols of when you first buy them, you wrap them up in silk, you sleep with them for 33 days, you shuffle them every day, those cards will come to life. And it's quite possible that you can read your cards every single day and in every single day you might even get the same card, but it will have a slightly different meaning. So let me continue to look at this in the reversed position here. You know, it could also mean that my struggle is over. 
It could also mean that woof, I'm relieved. It's done. It was a real pain in the ass, but it's over. I also get the impression it could tell me in the reverse position that my energies have been scattered a little bit too much and I need to reset my priorities. And somewhere along the line, in the reverse position, I have a real sense of malice, underhandedness. Very interesting. You know, when a bunch of guys are getting together with sticks and they're having this sham fight, this play fight, a lot could be hidden in that because there's a lot of action. Sometimes people think, oh, they're playing nice. We're, we're playing nicely together. It's just a game. But hidden agendas come up, you know. Mm. So there we are, the five of wands. And next week, I do believe, or next week or the week after, we will be looking at the five of cups. Well, that'll be something to look forward to. It certainly will for me. I really do enjoy it. Just a quick reminder, people, before we, you know, wrap things up here today. Take a look at my website, arniavidician.com. All of my services are there. Sign up for my newsletter, Monday Message. It comes out on the first Monday of each month. And it is short and it is sweet and it is full of buttery goodness. And it has all sorts of specials on there that uh, may or may not make it to the website. So if you're interested in discounts and that sort of thing, definitely a good idea. Um, I go to my website regularly because I generally have no idea what I'm going to do. So it helps me. Well, sweethearts, I have been told that behind the scenes, there's a great deal going on with the White Hats. And I suppose we'll know what's going on once they tell us. So I'm going to have a little drink. And that actually finishes my drink for the day. And that makes me say, sad though it is, I think that's it for today. <laughs> I have finished my drink. And that always means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it today because I had a blast, even though I couldn't breathe or talk properly. And that's not because of the whiskey. It's because my room is filled with sage smoke. Today's real life cocktail was really rather groovy. It's called a Tipperary, or as my friend Declan likes to call it, your uncle's very hairy, and this is how you make it. Now, they say three quarters of an ounce of Irish whiskey, three quarters of an ounce of Chartreuse, the green one, three quarters of an ounce of good sweet vermouth, and of course, ice cubes. And then what you're supposed to do is combine all the ingredients in a mixing glass with the ice and stir it, not a hard shake, but you stir it and then you strain it into a cocktail glass. And I tried it that way and it's very nice. But here's my thing. I think you can improve upon it by making the Irish whiskey instead of three quarters of an ounce, one and a quarter ounces. So one and a quarter ounces Irish whiskey, three quarter ounce Chartreuse green, three quarter ounce sweet vermouth and a bunch of ice cubes. Combine all the ingredients in a mixing glass, stir well, strain and put into a glass and drink. I was skeptical. I don't really like chartreuse, actually, but I was skeptical. But once I upped the whiskey to the other ingredient ratio, I really enjoyed it. And tonight, being Druid Killer Day, my partner and I will enjoy a lovely bowl of Colcannon and a pint of Guinness and a shot of Tullamore Dew which is our favorite Irish whiskey. Indeed, it is the whiskey that I have used for this cocktail. Tullamore Dew, delicious, wonderful. Who could ask for anything more? Now, remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Ani Avedisian. This was the Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. 
Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abedisian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you.